heart this morning that whether you live or whether you die, you are the Lord's. It would be a blessed day for you. But I was considering as I pondered on these texts and understanding we preached from these texts earlier on several months back and I preached a message. I, it could have been a year ago, something like that. I preached a message entitled, Not Putting Limitations on God. And I dealt with the fact that uh, sometimes that we want things to be done in a certain manner and when they're not done in the manner in which we want them to be done as we petition God that we we uh, lose faith or hope that he's in control or knows what to do or even that what he can do is 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 best. But what I want to deal with concerning these texts if the Lord would help us, I want to preach on this thought Missing the best part of serving Christ. And I'm persuaded, and being all honest, if you're anything like me at all, and I, I dare to say there might be some of you that's not altogether like me, but and I know we're all different, different people, but I know the flesh is weak. And I know that you carry flesh just like I do. And I know that sometimes in our service to the Lord or in our worship or in our praise or in anything in our life that has to do with our relationship to the Lord, I fear that we're missing the better part. And I want to I want to deal with that if I can uh, this morning. And I don't know how long we'll be. I don't know where else we're going to go. We're just going to take out of here and head in that direction. OK, and uh, you pray for us. And I, I can't hardly even see this morning. But I, I hope this will be a blessing to you and it will do for you what it did for me. Let's read starting in John chapter number 11 and verse number 1 this morning. John chapter 11 and verse number 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse number two. It was that Mary. Which anointed the Lord with ointment. And wiped his feet with her hair. Whose brother Lazarus. Was sick. Now. I want to pause right here. And I want to call your attention to something. That I'm afraid you'll miss. If you're not careful. The Bible starts out in verse number one, talking about a certain man who was sick named Lazarus. And if you've studied your Bible at all, you'll know that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And Lazarus was of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. But there's a sudden turn in the scripture in the gospel of John. And, and we're making a little point or a little note here in the scripture. The writer is pausing to draw your attention to something that I feel needs to be emphasized a great deal. And if the Lord will help us this morning, I want to emphasize the very thing that the writer here is trying to emphasize. It says in verse 2, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hairs where the Lazarus was sick. Now, this account, this this uh, this story that, that is being brought to our attention by the writer here is telling us of something that's transpired not in chapters 8, 9, or 10. But we're reading chapter number 11 and the writer has paused to show us something that we're going to find in chapter number 12. 
And I believe what's happened is before we get to chapter number 12, the writers wanting us to take notice of something that we're going to run into later on in our reading and our understanding of this gospel, all right, this book. So the gospel of John, chapter number 11, verse 2 says, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now here's what I want you to realize. You need to consider this verse of scripture and hang on to it in your mind as we move on through the rest of this chapter. It'll be very important here in just a minute. All right, and so uh, verse number three. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, let me take you take your attention to verse number three. They were praying. They were crying out. They were begging of the Lord to come because Lazarus was sick. Now, they sent word to the Lord. They themselves could not go because Lazarus was sick. They were stuck with Lazarus trying to take care of Lazarus. They were unable to walk or go to where Christ was, so they sent someone on their behalf to reach out to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ because of this sick loved one. And I, I consider that and how often you and I petition someone on our behalf to go to the Lord for someone in their need that are as close and near and dear to our heart. They couldn't leave Lazarus, so they were depending upon someone to go to the Lord on their behalf. And I don't know about you, but I've got people that go to me. I asked to go to the Lord on my behalf. It said verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So what was happening to Lazarus, Brother Gene, was being done for the glory of God. And to point to something that the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to do. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Do you know why Lazarus died? Lazarus died, Brother Gene, so God could be glorified. And I want us to understand something this morning. There are some things that happen. And some things that are allowed to happen. And some things that are in the will of God to happen. So that God can be glorified. You say death is something that causes hurt and causes pain and causes people to suffer and to mourn. Yes, it, it, it does. No doubt about that. But in this particular situation, it was done so that God could be glorified. I want to ask you this. Is God getting any glory out of our problems? Does God get any glory from us out of our troubles and trials? Do we offer any uh, glory to God? When we are in trials of our life. Verse number five says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, I love this source of scripture because we're, we're seeing here uh, another break or another pause in the scripture to make another point. We just, we just learned that, that Martha and Mary have petitioned the Lord on their behalf and on Lazarus' behalf and I have sent someone to, to, to reach the Lord. 
And when Jesus heard, obviously, let me say this, obviously, Brother Gene, the person that they sent or the persons that they sent made it to the Lord. Hey, I'm thankful that when I ask someone to go to the Lord on my behalf and they bow their head on bended knees, the petitions that they send on my behalf, make it to the Lord. I appreciate that. But I do want us to understand not everything that makes it to the Lord is, does he respond the way that we would like to see him respond? But sometimes the response that he makes that we do not like is for a greater cause. And for that cause to bring glory and honor, but not only that, but to show something that God is wanting people to see. And I believe we're, we're in, you can apply this to your personal life. You can apply it to the church, your marriage, to the nation. Hey, there's things going on in our nation today that God is allowing to happen because God wants to show some people some things. And sometimes there has to be some pain and some sorrow and some hurt involved to get people to see. Now, not always, not always is pain punishment. I'll say this though, sometimes we turn away from God and he has to inflict a little pain and a little turmoil. Why? To get our attention for the greater good. But it said, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So it would almost, as you read this and you consider what's happening to Lazarus, it almost seems unfair. It almost seems like you could have an odd against God or how maybe God or Christ don't even care about Lazarus. Maybe God or Christ don't even care about Mary and Martha. We've sent unto him. Uh, he's got the petition, but he's not responding the way that we want him to respond. So what happens? Well, you and I in our carnal flesh could say, how, how could God be like that? How could, how could Christ be that way? But I like this because there's a pause and something's reiterated in this next verse of Scripture. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we want to clear something up first and foremost this morning. Even though the response wasn't what they wanted it to be. And even though they didn't keep it back from Christ exactly what they was expecting and hoping for. It did not stop the fact that Christ did indeed love Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I've just been reminded in the last few days, and especially this morning, all oh, the love that Christ had for me, that he would send, that he would die on a cross, that God loved me so much he would send his son to Calvary and bleed and die for me in the audacity that I have sometimes to approach the throne of grace, even sometimes with a heart. That shows frustration towards a God that loved me so much. And he said here, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister in life. So I'm glad that I don't have to have the response, uh, Brother Gene, that I want to know that Christ still loves me. My kids don't always get the response from their parents that they want, but I sure hope they don't question whether or not mom and daddy love them. He said, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. <laughs> it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I want you to notice something. Back up to verse 4. I'm going to don't want to miss this. It said, when Jesus heard that he said the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby, you'll find over in chapter number 12, after he raises Lazarus from the dead, 
and they're sitting there and Martha's covered about with much serving and she's cooking up some food for them to eat that the Jews come to peek in the windows to look at not only Jesus but the spy on Lazarus, this one that they had heard that had risen from the dead. So why was this happening? There was a cause. Christ had a plan. I'm thankful this morning that although you and I don't see the end result, God has a plan. All you and I have to do is stay in the center of his will. And that's a hard enough job as it is. And you and I sometimes need to quit worrying about what his plan is so much as focus our attention on staying in the center of his will. And we'll worry about staying in the center of his will. He will take care of the rest. It is not our position. I'm afraid that I'm just going to hang out here for a minute. I'm afraid that we try to play God. We try to pretend that we know what's going on. And we try to pretend that we got the answers. And I do have the answer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but I don't have the answer in the ability to compute what needs to be done to get a certain result. But we do that sometimes. We try to get a certain result by computing some things and figuring out how to do it. I'm reminded more and more, I don't know how to, to lead a home. I don't know how to pastor a church. I don't know how to do nothing. God didn't tell me to know how. He said, stay in the center of my will. You know what you got to do and what I got to do? Focus our attention on staying in the center of his will and then let God be God. Let him do what he's going to do. He said, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he about two days still in the same place where he was. And after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. He didn't get in no hurry. He didn't get in no rush. We want to rush things. We want it on our time frame. We want it when we want it. That's the nature of mankind. Everything we want, we want it right now. If we can't have it, we'll go buy it on credit. Because we want it right now. We want the, the get now and the pay later. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Drop down to verse number 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. So listen here. He was glad for the sake of the disciples that he wasn't there in Bethany when Lazarus was sick because they would have missed the opportunity to see God work or Christ work in a time frame that mankind thought he was already too late to accomplish what he come to accomplish. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, 
off. And many of the, listen to this, they were needing him or wanting him to come within a time frame. He purposely stayed away as not to fulfill their time limit. And I, I want to say this today, and this ain't the message, but we don't want to put the time limit on God. Just let God do what God's going to do. We have the petitions that we've asked of him to him. I like this too. There's times, Brother Gene, when we have groanings that cannot be uttered, but he knows he knows how to, to apply them prayers of groanings on our behalf. The Bible also says that he sees our tears, and there's a record of our tears. It said, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she was, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Now take notice of something with me real quick. Mary decides to stay at the house, and Martha goes out to meet Jesus. All right? Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here. Now, they've never stopped calling him Lord. They've never taken away uh, his deity or who he was or what he was there for. They've never said that, well, I thought you was the Christ, but you're not. They're still calling him Lord. Said, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know, listen to this. Now, I've missed this probably more times than not. Looked over it a great deal, but it always stood out to me this morning. She said, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Can I say to you, we, we read these verses of scriptures and I have the, the mindset and I'm not sure why or how it's become to be, how it's come to be. But we have the mindset that Martha and Mary needed Christ to come before Lazarus died because they knew that if Lazarus died, there wasn't anything that the Lord could do after, after he died. But Martha don't have that mindset. Martha says, but I know that even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Martha believed. And can I say to you, we're going to find that Martha, this is important. Please don't miss this because this is my heart to you this morning. She was more spiritual than Mary. So how do you know, preacher? Martha didn't say, Lord, you're too late. And you can't do what I needed you to do in the allotted time frame. She's gone to the Lord. She's left to go see the Lord. It's Mary who didn't go with Martha. It's Mary who's humped up at the house, aggravated and frustrated because she petitioned the Lord and wanted the Lord to do something, but the Lord didn't do it. And now it's too late. And now he should have come. And had he come, he could have done something. So she sits at the house and Martha runs on to see the Lord. And Martha, being the more spiritual one here, says, but I know that even now whatsoever thou would ask of God, God will give it thee. She's saying, look, I know if you'd have been here, 
he wouldn't have died. But I know that now that you are here, all you got to do is ask God and this thing can be taken care of. This and this, verse number 23. <clears throat> Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's like, now, now Lord, is it, I'm not sure what you're saying to me here. She's trying to, you know, am I, am I getting it right? Am I hearing what you're saying to me? Because I know he's going he's gonna to raise up in the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ. She never lost sight of who he was. The Son of God which should come into the world. And when she had said, and when she had so said, she went her way. He called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Now, Martha ran out to see him. Mary stayed behind. Martha goes out. She acknowledges him at the Lord. She says, yes, you're the Christ. She talks to him and she comes back to Mary. And quietly, because the Jews were there trying to comfort them, you see, she, she gets down in her ear and says something to her. She says, the master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. I'm sure she wanted to know what Christ had to say to her. And to be honest with you, she probably had some things she wanted to say to Christ. Said, now Jesus was not yet come into the town. Listen to this now, but was in that place where Martha met him. Can I say Jesus stood still and he made Mary come the same way Martha did? <laughs> now listen to me. Martha run on to see him. Mary wouldn't come. And Jesus said what he was going to say to Martha. And Martha said what she was going to say to Jesus. And Martha goes back, but Christ just hangs out where he's at. Doesn't come any closer to Bethany. And he makes Mary come the same way that Martha did. You know, sometimes God just has to hold on and let us get past ourselves. Sometimes he just has to sit still and wait on us to get past our own foolishness, our own self-righteousness, our own self-worth. And get to the place where we're just willing to go down there and talk to the Lord with a little bit different attitude than maybe we wanted to. Oh, Mary, she's just going to sit there and wait on Christ to come to her. And when Christ came to her, there were some things she probably had to say to him. But the Lord just stayed where he was at. And he said, no, I'm going to sit right here and wait on you to come to me. Sometimes I want you to know something. We may have to do some turning from our ways and our own self-righteous attitude and turn and go where he's at. Said then Mary was come where Jesus was. Well, let me back up here to verse 31. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out followed her saying she goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, notice this, the Jews assumed that she was in a rush to go down there and weep at the grave. You see how people start distorting and getting an idea and thinking what they think and in all reality what they think and what their ideas are and what they've computed and figured out on their own accord don't have anything close to do to what God has wanted or what people are doing to respond to God. 
You know, our biggest problem this morning is we think anything. We ought to quit thinking for once. Quit computing. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to figure out the future. And just figure out what God wants us to do today. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Saying unto him, Lord, thou hast been here. My brother had not died. So she called him Lord. She knew who he was. Well, she was distressed. She was upset. You know, when, when someone's hurting, did you know hurt can turn to anger? Think about that. She was angry. She was frustrated. She wasn't going to go to where he was at. But he called for her. He petitioned her and she came. When she got there, the anger, the anger left and she just broke before his feet and cried and wept and was distressed because he could have come. He could have helped him, but he didn't. In verse number 33, he said, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now here's what I want you to notice. Not only is she distressed because she's standing before one that she knew could have. Now she's not, she's not really treating him like he still can. Martha had the attitude, he still can. Martha said, you could have, and you still can. Mary says, you could have, but she don't say anything about him still being able to. And she's there with that attitude. And then you got the Jews that's followed her, that's found their way to where Jesus and, and Mary is at, and they're in the same mind frame. You could have. It's been spread abroad what you've done, what you can do. But now it's too late. And then it says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I want you to notice where, where Martha, I mean, excuse me, where Mary winds up at. She winds up at the feet of Jesus. Now we just established that Martha is more spiritual than Mary. Martha never lost sight of the fact that God could and God still can. But Mary's got the attitude that you could have Lord, but it's too late. But she's at the feet of Jesus groaning and, and crying. How many of you have ever just got to the place in your life where you were at the end of it all, you were at the end of your rope, the anxiety was more than you could bear, you pulled your hair out, you've done everything you know to do, and there just ain't nothing working, you've prayed, you've cried, you've begged unto God to help, and you find yourself on your knees at the feet of Jesus, pouring your heart out to Him, crying and complaining and frustrated because he will not do what he would not do what you ask him to do. Verse 34 said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus went. Now let me let me I got three little quick things I want to bring to your attention. They prayerfully requested the Lord to come. They petitioned through the help of someone else to go to the Lord. So they've prayerfully requested. Then there, there is prayer, prayerfully complaining. How many of us have prayerfully requested something of the Lord? I mean, you know, Lord, I know you can do this. You're a big God. I know you're able. I know you can. If you just will, would you help and you come and you get on your knees and you prayerfully request of God 
to do something. The time comes that it seems like it's too late. God's not responding in the manner that I want him to. Almost seems like there's an unanswered prayer. And instead of prayerfully requesting, it turns into prayerful upset. You're upset. Prayerfully complaining unto God. You've never lost sight of the fact that he's still God. That he's still able. That he's, that he's still mighty. That he's still magnificent. But your prayers have turned to complaining. Can I say this? When you have a heart of complaining, that's about all you really have. That's all really all you have to give to God. Seems like every time you go to the Lord because of this problem, it's just complaining. Let's look over here, if you will. Let's see here. Let's look at verse number, verse number 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, see, she, she wanted to prepare him. We got my glasses on so I can look at you this morning. She wanted to prepare him for what he was fixing to see. For what he was fixing to encounter. Do you know a lot of us sometimes really in our own ignorance act like we have to prepare God for what he's fixing to see. As if he don't already know. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Think about that verse of scripture. How do we get to God? Now you think about this. I've heard people pray and they'll pray. They'll pray. And I'm not making fun of people. Please mis don't misunderstand me, but it drives me crazy. People will pray and they'll come praying and they'll go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I don't pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus is my intermediator, my intercessor. I get to God through Jesus. You know how come I'm saved? And how come I'm going to get to God in heaven through Jesus? You know how I pray to God right now through Jesus? We pray in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying when we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that. But I said, I pray through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. But here's what I want you to understand. When, when, when uh, the Martha said here in verse number 22, but I know that even now whatsoever thou would ask of God, God will give it thee. Well, what are we finding right here in verse number 41? Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. When Jesus speaks, he gets the attention of God. And we pray to God through our intercessor, the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we petition God, I mean, or we petition Jesus Christ, but it seems like God doesn't respond to us. But he said in verse number 42, and I knew that thou hearest me always, always God hears Jesus. 
But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Now here's, here's what I want to show you. I've laid the foundation for what I want to give you this morning. This is important. Turn with me to chapter number 12. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead. So Lazarus has been dead. Everything we just give you in your hearing has led up to the place that we're at to right now. Whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. All right, now verse number three says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Drop down to verse number 8 with me for a moment. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but, there, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. So we're seeing part of the point that was being made as to why Jesus didn't come immediately respond to the petition of the people that come on behalf of Mary and Martha. Because he had another plan. And what his intention was, was to take this problem that had transpired and get glory and honor out of it, but also show the Jews. See, the Jews were out to get Jesus. And when he was going to go back to Bethany to, 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 to raise Lazarus from the dead, even his disciples said, hey, the Jews down there are out to get you. Are you going to go back down there? Those that were out to get him were fixing to get another picture of who he was as being Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He was showing his glory, his power and his magnificence through what it was that he wanted to do. You know, a lot of times we miss the power and the magnificence of the, the Lord and Savior that we serve because we get in the mindset through prayerful complaining. We miss the bigger picture and miss his glory and power and magnificence as an end result. Here's what I want you to see. We can find this same account. Just hold your place in John 12. We find this same account in Mark 14 and 3. And the Bible says Mary broke uh, the alabaster box. And uh, we, we find here that she hadn't been using the contents. How do you know that she hadn't been using the contents? Because she had to break it, Brother Gene, to get what was in it out. 
So she had this, this alabaster box full of spider disointment that had not been used, but she just had it up there for safekeeping. Alright, and, and listen to me now. What was in this box was of great, great value. Can I say to you, history tells us through studying history that the ointment that was in this alabaster box uh, probably was somewhere around 300 uh, pence. Now notice what notice what uh, chapter 12 uh, and verse number 4 says, Then saith one of his disciples, Jesus Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? That gives us an idea of the value of what was in this alabaster box. Now, I would like to call your attention that 300 pence, if you will, is annual. It is the, the average annual sum of a person's income for a year in that time frame. So, Brother Shane, if you had something that was that was uh, as expensive as a year's wages, you'd treat that thing pretty delicately, I do imagine. So what was the purpose of her having this? If it was of great value, why didn't she sell it and get the money for herself? What was she keeping it for? Odds are she was keeping it, Brother Shane, for her own death, that when she died, she'd have something for her body to be anointed with. It was expensive. Undoubtedly, she'd worked a long time, Brother Shane, a lot of effort, a lot of labor, a lot of trials, troubles, and tribulations, a lot of sweat and tears went in to spend, to gaining and laboring to get the money it took to purchase what was in that alabaster box. But Mark 14 tells us that she broke it and she also anointed his head. Now here's what I, here's what I want you to see. Verse number one, then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead and he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. Now, now, maybe this is country terms. I don't know. But when I get in from work after I've worked all day, Brother Gene, I open the door to the house and when I walk in, do you know what I smell? I smell the aroma of the labor that my wife has put into preparing dinner for me and my family. And what I want you to see here in verse number two is that they there they made him a supper and Martha served. So Christ is sitting at, at, the, at Martha's home. And she who was more spiritual than Mary, who was the one that went down there and told Christ, I know that you could have but I know that you still can. She is serving. She's cooking. She's making a meal for the Lord and Savior. And no doubt, whatever she was cooking, the aroma of that filled the house. And Christ could smell what it was that Martha uh, was doing for him. Now pay attention. This is important. But verse number three says, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the one. Say, so what, what's that got to do with anything? You read the other Gospels and you'll find that Martha come out to Jesus. And she complained, are you going to let Mary sit here are you going to send her in here and help me serve? In other words, this one that was more spiritual than Mary. 
that never lost faith in what Christ could do. Got upset because she didn't feel like her sister was pulling her load. And her sister was just sitting there where? At the feet of Jesus. Where was it that her sister was at when she was prayerfully complaining? At the feet of Jesus. What happened was, when you read the other Gospels, when Martha come out to talk to Jesus, this had not transpired yet with, with Mary having taken the alabaster box and broke it and applying that ointment to that of the Lord Jesus Christ yet. So at this time, this one that's more spiritual and has more faith uh, is, is there and, and the house is filled with the aroma of the service that had been given for the, for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly the alabaster box is broken. The, the ointment, the, the oil is placed on the Lord Jesus Christ and the odor filled the house. Do you know what it done? It smoked out all the smell of what was being and while Martha's in there cooking up Jesus' dinner, she gets this whiff of something. Can I say to you, some of us sometimes are more spiritual than others, but being more spiritual than others, others causes us to get a little self-righteous sometimes and feel like we're doing more than the next person. And how is it that the Lord can let this person get by with this or get by with that? And she come and she told the Lord Jesus Christ and she said, why are you letting Mary sit here? And I say Jesus corrected Martha for what she had to say about Mary. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 40. Turn with me to Luke 10 and 40 for just a moment. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, he called her by name twice. Thou art careful. And troubled about many things. You know what that means? Thou art careful. She was wanting everything to be just so-so. Just right. Just perfect for the Lord. Do you know in our, in our problem sometimes is we want everything to be just so-so. We want everything to be just right. We want it to fall within our idea of how it should be. When it does that, we get frustrated. And then we ended up, we end up being prayerful complainers. Martha wasn't a prayerful complainer. She went to the Lord Jesus and said, I know that you can, and I know that you still can. But in her being more spiritual than Mary, she allowed what Mary was doing to affect her to the place where she become less spiritual than she was before. And she turned into a, a prayerful complainer. But one thing is needful. Verse number 42. There are troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part. You know what I'm scared of? I, I'm not scared of it. I know it to be so. We as God's people in our being careful about everything and wanting it to be so-so and trying to serve and be super spiritual and, and walk around and have it all figured out all the time, we miss 
the good part. Which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, you have served and you've made dinner, but I'm not going to make Mary stop what she's doing. Because there's something fixing to happen. And we find what's fixing to happen here in verse number 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now here's what I want you to see. Everything that Mary had done, everyone could smell it. Or Martha, excuse me. But now what Mary has done has overrode the savor and the flavor of what is now in the house. But here's, here's what's interesting. It said, uh, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spite and very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus. We find her at his feet again, Brother Gene. What is she doing now? Well, there's no prayerful complaining. <laughs> she ain't gone to him to get more from him. She's not at his feet this time with prayerful complaining. She's not at his feet this time trying to get him to do something for her in the future. What she's there for right at this moment was for what he'd done in the past. And it'd be a good day if you and I could find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Not as prayerful complainers, but with prayerful thanksgiving. And thank the one who died for us. For everything that he's given us and done for us. And the fact that he's even willing to put up with us a single solitary day. And what she done was she took something that was for her. And she took something that was of great value. And she broke that box and she anointed his head to his feet. Because what she had meant nothing to her. Because what she had in him meant everything to her. And when we realize that what we have in Him is of such value that everything else we've got is basically worthless. Friend, we have found a day where we've got to that good part. And we're missing that good part. And we're not enjoying our service for the Lord because we've lost touch with the relationship that we want and that He wants to have with us. And when you get it, when you reach it, it will become odorous and it will also be evident to those that are around you. And those that are around you can take part in your relationship that you've had with the Lord. Martha's relationship was poisonous. Her relationship to the Lord was prayerful complaining. And he wanted Jesus to come down on Mary. But Mary, what she done in her relationship to the Lord and in her giving caused everyone to be able to partake and enjoy something. That was between Mary and the Lord. It was odorous. This good thing. She had the good thing. I want to know this morning, do you have the good part? When's the last time you got to enjoy the good part? Now let me, let me say this to you. Everybody got to enjoy the odor, but listen to what happens here. She's anointed the feet of Jesus and then wiped his feet with her hair. The ointment that is for her, that was given to Christ, now it's not only on Christ, but it's on her. She's anointed him and in all her humbleness took her hair and wiped his feet. And now Jesus smells like her, and she smells like 
slavery that we've got below and got to so many times and complain, and we just come to him and say, Lord, I give you my thanks. I want to thank you and praise you not for what you're going to do, not for what you, you can do today, but for everything you've done for me in the past. And when you get to that place in your relationship with the Lord, you'll have the good part. You'll get to enjoy that sweet smelling savor that he gets. You'll get to enjoy it too. I'm thankful that she gave what was expensive and what was hers the cause of Christ. But Christ let her enjoy a little of it too. Isn't it a good thing to know we can give him everything that we have and he'll allow us to enjoy some of it too? We stand you today, people. We don't want to give him what's his. But if we give it to him, friend, he, and when little is so much, when God is in it, can take it and use it and multiply it and still let us enjoy a little of it too. I thank the Lord this morning that there's a good part. As a sister comes and finds an invitation song, just play something soft. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I'm done. Maybe you need to do business with God. Maybe you have missed that good part. Maybe you've just got to the place where you find yourself, all that you do is prayerful complaining. You've, you've had prayerful requests. Your prayerful requests have turned into complaining. And, and can I say this? We who think that we're so spiritual, sometimes we end up not being spiritual at all. Because we allow ourselves to get to looking at the circumstances and viewing the circumstances through our own viewpoint. Mary, she had prayer for complaining. But when she realized what she had in Jesus and what Jesus done for her in spite of all her prayerful complaining, listen, in spite of all of our prayerful complaining, that Jesus still does for us and puts up with us, it ought to give us an attitude of prayerful thanksgiving. As she plays, if you need to come, this altar's open. You come, you do business with God. All right, you come ahead.